adversity, bring it. The struggle, we welcome it. Snooze on life, never that. We are Dave Regina and Mike Perella, and this is the No Snooze Podcast. Come on. Welcome back to No Snooze Podcast Epi Alls. That's French for you who watched episode nine, right? Nine was no, the. No, this is now Epi 11. No, I know, but they it, the French section was in episode eight. Yeah, one of them. I, I don't know the exact. What's eight in Fran- French? Huit. 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 So episode Alls, which is 11, <laughs> and we're back. And uh, my fearless partner here, Dave, how's everything going? Epi 11, brother. I can't believe we made it. Yeah, my hands are moist. I usually go with the high five, but we'll just do the the fist bump there. Uh, so, first ten, incredible. Yeah. And again, thank you to everybody who's been supporting us. Epi ten was with the wives. Yes. And that was a really good episode, and it ended with Dana talking about like confidence, right? So it got yes. me thinking when I went back to like the drawing board, and that's when I texted you guys like, "Hey, what you know? What are we gonna come up with?" And I figured building confidence would be a really good one to now apply. Since we spoke about it a little bit in a relationship, let's apply it to like real life. And a note about Dana. It's funny. Her confidence when she's in front of a microphone or like at karaoke, for instance, she has amazing confidence. And then when it's like in a room of people, she gets nervous. It's so funny. Yep. Uh, I want to apologize. Oh. Because. (laughs) Uh Uh (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Because when I was listening back to that episode... You could hear me in the background, like breathing like a walrus. I don't know if the audio, like he had to bump the audio, but I'm like, oh. was he? You're <laughs> yeah, congested. I'm. A, I mean, as people can tell by it's my bad. voice, I'm a uh, mouth breather because my <laughs> nose is so broken from. I think like I got my deviated septum fixed and a bunch of other stuff because I was having night terrors, which is another conversation. Wow. But Frank, we were playing basketball in my room and elbowed me right in the nose Ooh. and broke it like a week after surgery. Mm. So I also am a mouth breather. Okay. All right. So pod bod update. And also on the pod bod, I must say, my tan was, it looks ridiculous in that episode. It's like I forgot to put sunscreen on my face. I look weathered. I was so embarrassed but when you I na- look back. <laughs> you naturally get very red too, though. Yes. yes. Like when you're intense, like yeah. before episode, you turn a shade of red. Yeah. And it's weird because right? it's, it's always happened and it's not like a, a nerve thing because I, I, I don't feel nervous right now. But when I get serious, like when I know that I have to like. It's know, an intensity thing. Yes. I, I, I would describe it as an intensity. Here's my theory. I think that you have such a wide frame now oh God, that your blood is all up in your other muscles. Yeah, and then yeah. when you need to think very hard, all your blood goes, <laughs> goes to your to brain you and go. it cuts right to your face. That's a good theory. Yeah. I like that. So talk to me about the PodBot update. You know, we're getting close to uh, to March and you had said, you know, in What's, March. So it's uh, how many days left in March? Uh, there's only a couple. And then by, right. we're a week behind. So by the time this airs, we'll already be into March. All right, so hopefully by the time it airs, I'll have hit the goal. And February only has 28 days, and we're on date 27 of 28. Yeah, I didn't. No, it's a leap year, so I think there's actually. Oh, there's right? 29. There so you go. that's why I did the All bet. All right, good. Um, so I got derailed pretty good. I am at my one pound less than before I got derailed. Okay. I started the show that we talked about, Tell Mike Sent You. So I had on Wednesday a ton of Sicilian. Then, in addition, uh, this past weekend we had a wedding. So. You know, I might have ate a bag of Doritos to myself, 
while waiting to walk out. Uh, so that was tough, but I've snapped back in the, into the, uh, the routine pretty quickly. And because we're busy or I'm busy, uh, it's been pretty easy to snap back into it, but I am working backwards. So I'm at 211. I'm down, I don't know, like two, uh, 17 maybe. Yep. So it's still good progress. Yes, very good progress. I don't want to admit defeat yet, but so I might try to cut weight. I want to circle you back day. to the goals episode where we were talking smart goals. Yes. So you have been the S, the M, A, R, and now the T was the timeline. Yeah. So I don't believe that what you're going to say is like, oh, well, I'm talking about the feet. Why is that the feet? Take that timeline and now you extend it one more month. You're not going to take the progress that you made and just give up because you didn't meet the timeline. Well, I, I look at it as I made good progress, didn't achieve that smart goal, but I can reset to do another smart goal for the next two months. Why would you reset? and not just maintain the same no. energy and consistency that you're going with, just move the T in the timeline. Yeah, that's fine. But if you do that too much, then you're just like, oh, I'll just move the yeah, timeline. Yeah, just keep moving the timeline. Yeah. So gotcha. like, you have to so give yourself an L. I got you, all right. And do it publicly. Okay, I'll take that. But I think if you have, if you failed this first one, and you like the word fail. I, I do. choose fall, but. I like it. Because if, it, it forces you to think, like, why did I do that? But what about what a second chance? Fail? Like, why? You're still doing exactly. really good. Yeah, so just give yourself, I would say, give yourself one more shot at this yeah. same goal, just moving the timeline. Is it 30 days? Is it 45 or 60 days? Like, and whatever just it is. because you fail doesn't mean you can't still achieve a goal. Or yeah, try it again. debatable. Yeah. But if you're, here's, here was my, it's going to sound like an excuse, but I, it is a priority to get down to that weight, but I also wanted to start that show which requires in the middle of the week or sometime around then to eat a ungodly amount of food for yeah. for good content. Very shaky though your choice on the drink with your pizza. And I know you you've who? been doing it forever. It's just weird. I used to drink weird. milk with everything and I have people that can vouch for this. Like pizza and milk was my favorite. I they used to get, you know, little packs of Yoohoo. I would put down like if I found them cuz my mom used to hide them. I drink like, I think six in a pack. I drink all six just right then and there, just well, like you, this. You're excessive. Yeah. I'm extreme. You're excessive. I don't know how to control portions with things unless there's no other way to get to it. So like when I grab my chips, my Quest chips, which are amazing, the tortilla style, the tortilla killer, I call myself. Oh, uh, <laughs> the tortilla killer. I grab them first and I go to the front. So then when I'm driving, I can't reach for more. Gotcha. Like, yeah, my reach. Smart. I'm. I'm trying to trick myself. That's good. They say you're your worst own enemy, so I'm trying to outsmart myself. All right. I see what you're doing there. Yeah, so if, anyway, but the, what, do, what do you have going on with the body? So the pod bod, I am trying to get down to 10 percent body fat. What are you at now? I am at like 11.3, but every month I'm kind of moving down. I started at like I think almost cl close to 13 percent, and at at level fitness, there's like a you know this contraption that you stand on. And it tells you your body fat. So I only measure it once a month. And I don't, I don't have a specific timeline with that. How yeah. come? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm happy where I'm at. And I don't, wanna, I don't want it to... When I set goals, I can become very obsessive. Oh, really? <laughs> did, you, did you know? And I don't want that to take precedence over the real important things that are going on in my life. Like wife is pregnant, we already yeah. know. So I don't want to like be doing two a days to get down to ten percent when I should be coming home for the one hour we can spend. And together. how does Karina deal with that? Because I know Dana is a little like, what do you? I'm I'm gaining. Yeah, it's this almost like not fair, right? Yeah. It's almost not fair. But no, she's been she's been good. And again, we spoke about that last episode. She's been mindful of like you know what she's what she's been eating and drinking. So 
you know, more well, power to her. I think overall it's also turning into a more healthy lifestyle. Yes. And I'm still refining it, but I've definitely gotten to a groove of trying to be more healthy. Obviously, I eat my number two with bacon at Wendy's, yeah, but crushing it. the majority of the time being a little more cool. health conscious, which cool. actually saves you money, too, if you know where. Definitely to, does. Yeah, you know. for sure. Let's go. Uh, let, let's touch on the wedding. So <laughs> Billy and Alyssa, who happen to be my neighbors, if you listen to previous episode, also Mike's in-laws. Yes. They had their wedding and it was a great wedding. It was from blast. start to finish. I mean, the weather was perfect. The venue was perfect. You guys were perfect. They were in the wedding. Thank you. You, you looked you looked tremendous, Michael. Absolute um, marathon. But Alyssa looked beautiful. Billy looked like a stud. Everything went as planned. We had a we we crushed the dance floor. By the way, it, definitely crushed it. Definitely it. Uh, it was a crowded dance floor. There was a good rowdy yes. group in there, so yes. it just made it more fun. That so. always makes weddings. Yeah, great. And we always get the circle going and yeah. rifle people through. I'm running out of moves because I forget how to do certain ones. Yeah. So anyway, but. All right. So then we had an after party as well yeah. at, at uh, Noma Social in New Rochelle. Yeah, which was a lot of fun. It was very fun. We but saw the fight. Yes. Can we talk about uh, what happened there? <laughs> I, it was kind of exciting. So you tell the first part because I wasn't there for that part. Okay. And then I found out afterwards. So I'll, All right. You so tell the first part. We walk in. And, and by we, you mean who? Who is yes, with you? Yes, it's my wife. Um, I think Mike was with us, not you. Um, hmm. Anyway, I so was I wasn't with you. With oh, me. Dana and Mo. Yes, they where, were. Where was I? I don't know. You were somewhere. somewhere maybe else. Was or maybe changing. Yeah. So we walk in, and the bouncer sees me, and he's like, "Aren't aren't you the dude from the podcast?" <laughs> And literally, my wife starts cracking up because she's waiting for like you or Chris to come out and say like, ah, I got him. He thinks that somebody really knows what's going on with this podcast. But that person never came because he was being genuine. And his name is uh, Billy. He's the, he's the bouncer over there. Just a really nice guy. But it was a very good feeling to walk in. And he was like, yo, man, podcast? Yeah, go on in. Right. But then I got so into my head about it. I was like so excited. I left my wife in the lobby. And she, <laughs> she was like, wow, you know, you, you yeah. can't be doing this. You got to bring me along for the ride. Yeah. You know? Well, if episode 10 was out, she might, he might stop stopped her right. too. There you so go. just a one week too early. Yep. Um, so that's hilarious. Right. So I meet Dave fast forward. <laughs> yeah. I meet Dave at the bar and he's like, yo, you'll never guess what happened. The bouncer knew us or knew me. And he said, you're the no snooze guys. He listens to the podcast. And I go, Really? I'm like, because I tried to walk in and I had water in my hand. And he got pissed off. Like, obviously, I was just casually like strolling yep. in because I was shot. I was you didn't exhausted. have your suit on, though. You had the you had the jet hat on. That's probably the winter hat. I think it threw him off because yeah. I think he would have known who you were. It's kind of like the old school movies where the 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 character chain like puts glasses on. No yes. one recognizes them. Yeah, but you, that's real for me. I well, mean, if I don't have a suit listen, on, people are like who is I think that? There, there's not one of us that's the guy. You're the guy think, nah. because you're very recognizable. I'm a man of the people that just blends in. Yeah. That's why they call me the tortoise because I'm just kind of like, you the know, tortoise, among everyone. The tortilla, what'd you the say? Tortilla killer. Tortilla the killer. The The vanilla gorilla. All that. I like yeah, that. That's, a that's good. Yeah. That's a um, I think Steve Weatherford called himself that. Long story anyway. short, though, <laughs> it made it, you know, someone in New Rochelle was listening. We appreciate you. I apologize yeah. for trying to walk in with the water bottle. Yeah, I was man. just trying to hydrate. And like good my spot, man too. Dave. Really good spot, too. Blast. Right? So check it out. It's in the Radisson Hotel. Uh, so no snooze recommendations. This got sent to me twice. My boy Mark sent it. And then I connected with one of my old basketball coaches on this, too. And 
it's a Ben Gordon. If you guys don't know who Ben Gordon is, he's now a retired NBA player. Ben Gordon grew up in Mount Vernon, New York. He was like an uh, idol of mine growing up. The Bulls guy, Ben he, Gordon. Yeah, he he played for the Bulls. He played on a he played for the Pistons, a whole bunch of teams. Yeah. But so I grew up basically idolizing him because he was at the local high school at Mount Vernon High. And I think he graduated in, in 2000 or something like that. So he was always much older, but, like, I had an opportunity to, like, go to one of his camps. Um, so, it, and he's a UConn guy, Mike. Yeah, he played he in four, right? Number four, he point guard? He, he, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, won a couple championships with them, too. Great, yeah. great player. Full disclosure, love UConn, went to UConn, but I'm a St. John's fan, so. Oh, okay, there you go. There's an article that came out in the uh, Players' Tribune, and you could just Google it. And it's basically Ben Gordon describing what he went through as he like retired and it's called where is my mind and just to be clear heads up because there's strong language about suicide and suicidal thoughts on it but what he talks about in terms of mental health and going out and seeking you know some help and how therapy really helped him it is I mean it's something that I think everybody should go check out so it's, it's a really good article what did you, a quick question before I get into mine, what did you uh, think, like, when did you realize, like, listen, was the NBA always, like, an idea for you? Was it like, I would love to make it to a, not really? I don't, I don't, I think that at some point. Like, when I, you're little, right? Yeah, like, when you're little. Do you remember the point where you realized, like. Yeah, well, when I was in. Like, I love I, basketball, but. Yeah, when I was yeah. in high school, I kind of realized we were going to the NBA. Yeah, yeah. You know, because we would go to AAU tournaments and play against some kids that were just, you know, it, it wasn't even close. And I was actually a two guard. I know a lot of people think that I played down low or whatever. Yeah. But I'm only 6'2", yeah. and I happen to be a shooter, right? So in the NBA, 6'2", as a, you know, shooting guard, you better, one, be on the money all the time, but also have, like, ridiculous dribbling skills and you yeah. know play defense and I wasn't really a big defense guy yeah no and I just asked that not to say like oh we all I mean when you're little everyone thinks they want to play in the NBA yep, at yep. some point and then you get older and then you realize and for me I'm an all-or-nothing guy so like I, I can't remember when specifically I realized but I, I realized pretty early and I enjoyed playing but my drive kind of tink uh uh deteriorated pretty quickly yeah. and then when I got to high school I just didn't really have a passion for it and I played just because I didn't like to quit and uh it was I just look back and I'm like I I loved basketball and everything it did but it just I came to the realization too early and I'm too uh logical about things where I couldn't even enjoy it up because until you knew you weren't going yeah, yeah. I don't know which that's is a, a weird point. thought but yeah. anyway Go ahead. I was just curious uh, so that. yeah you know that that's my recommendation check it out it's called where's my mind it's uh the player's tribune and you could just google it and it's about Ben Gordon what do you got for us? That's a good one. So this is kind of at left field, but on my YouTube feed, there's just random interviews that pop up. And there's this, this guy, Tom Bilyeu. I, I forget his background and what his podcast Impact is. Theory. Yeah, that's the guy. Um, and Chameleonaire showed up, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And I always knew that he was in tech, and I was just curious as to what his story was and because I never really looked into it, but I knew he was successful. So I listened to his stuff. And his stuff is pretty wild, yes. and it's very. Uh, we we love our logo, and we love it, and we it represents something for us. And for him, the letter C is big, and he explains why. He says that you know C is a great letter because it's my lucky letter because it's it starts at one point, comes all the way around, and then doesn't quite connect. And it reminds me every day that there's still some left to go, Ooh. and you know keep pushing type of thing. It's it's really good. I happen, very, I, I listened to that. Um, did you listen to that interview one? as well? Yeah, so I listened I really to that like podcast. It's a good podcast in general. Yeah, very so I do, I like bouncing around on people like um, 
who's the other guy that I've been listening to? I always t- Tony. Tony Tony Robbins. Tony the Robbins. Tone. Never dove into him. Listened to Unbreakable recently. It was really good. But anyway, Chameleon Air, great stuff. I've watched like four of his interviews, but it's yeah. good. Very cool. Good. Um, all right, so let's get into Epi Eleven, and we're gonna go building confidence. And I struggled with this because as I, you know, was thinking about the confidence piece, there was three different ways that I could have went. And one was like, you know, there was a, the time, a time in my life when I was trying to figure out what was wrong with me health-wise, and then I had gotten diagnosed with the, with the Crohn's disease, and that was when I was a junior in, in high school. And it was really bad. I had lost like 52 pounds or something like that, and I was down to 153 pounds. And I know we discussed it briefly in previous episodes, but if this is the first time for people listening, I'm just trying to fill them in on that. So I could have I went that way because that was, a, that was a hard time in my life. You know, I, I was very down all the time. And no one, I don't know if anyone really knew, uh, but in my head, I just had no, no confidence. And I, again, I had always been a confident guy up to that point, And then it felt like everything was kind of ripped away. So I could have went there, but because that has to do with like health and wellness, I'll save that, you know, for, for another time. I also thought about this podcast and taking it and turning it into building confidence for like, you know, starting from the bottom, because mm-hmm. that's basically what we've done. We've taken something that didn't even exist. And like we said in Epi 1, that is no snooze. You're building something from the bottom up. So it's hard to be confident in something when there's nothing to scale it off of. Not to interrupt you. Go ahead. Remember how confident we were at uh, the parlor? Not the parlor. Uh, the pizza Fortina. Spot. Fortina. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And we were like talking like it was yep. already here. Yes. So I think that helped us. It does. It. Yeah. I think it does. So that was, that was um, the second part, because, you know, up until this point now, like now we're gaining really nice traction and we were talking about it before and we have new listeners all the time. We're getting really good feedback and it, it's continuing to grow now. But I do remember the very early stages and we're still super early, but it, at least the momentum is, is there for itself. So I could have went that way. But then as I like thought about it a little bit more, I took some time, stepped away and then I came back and I'm like, you know what I got to talk about is my journey at work. Hmm. And at 26, I was appointed as the assistant commissioner for the department. And at the time, just historically, it was one of the um, youngest commissioners in New York State. Did you interview for the job? Like, uh, well, it was, a, it was a promotion. Well, so it's a promotion from within, but then you have nice. to be appointed. You know, this has to, my commissioner had to appoint me as the assistant commissioner. Nice. So it has to go in front of the, the board. And it, it was a pretty, you know, pretty drawn out process, but we've never discussed that. And that was a part that, you know, I struggled with and I got people who, who are at work, you know, from, from my job that do listen to the podcast. And I think it'd be interesting to, to tell that story because I know a lot of people our age and younger and older, you know, promotions and stuff are going to come. And then there was a big piece of just being, being a confident guy is one thing, but at that moment I wasn't too confident because of certain things that were going on. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be what I'm going to talk about. Um, what, what do you plan on like uh, focusing here? I, I think I'm going to focus on something similar. Uh, because when I started in real estate, I was 24 and, uh, historically in Greenwich, the average age of agents is, you know, I'm sure above 50. Uh, so it was dealing with your peers and a lot of your clients being older than you. It's similar. Uh, so it's, I think there'll be a lot of back and forth between similar circumstances, very different environments, but yeah, same struggles probably, uh, to that word environment. The one thing that did keep my confidence up was the belief that was from above me in terms of like my commissioner and leadership team that were already in place. Yeah. The deputy commissioner, commissioner, um, 
you know, the commissioner's secretary. And right. I'm sure being appointed gave you that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So there was that piece was... because the environment is big, right? Yeah, so they, they helped out in instilling the confidence in me to say, look, like, this is what I think. And even in my head, I knew, I, I did know that I was going to do a good job, but you want everything to happen like overnight. So I had come up with like a couple like bullet points of things that now looking back on it and things that I did at that time that helped me to build the confidence. Mm-hmm. All right. So, and again, no specific order here, but the first thing that I had to do was sit back and really understand what a process is about. Mm-hmm. And it sounds cliche, just like I'm sure a lot of this stuff is going to sound, but I'm going to try to be specific instead of just being, you know, regurgitator, like we say. And before you dive into it, how long Go. have you been at that? So at the, not at that role, but yeah, in- I finished. I, I've been with with this specific town for six years now. And in this role for going on five of those six years. Wow. Look at that. Six yeah. years for me, too. Just about. Yep. No, it's the same time frame. Um, so. Understanding a process was something that I had to like really sit back and say, okay, you know what? This is not going to happen overnight. And what's not going to happen overnight is that I'm going to gain the trust of all the employees there. Because now you go from being a coworker, right? And again, we've spoke about this. All these guys and girls, these are my teammates. You know, no one's better. But I was literally um, an equal in terms of title with so many of these guys and girls. And we have a full-time staff of 25 and then the part-timers are in the, in the hundreds. There's one to 200 at any point. In summertime, it's 300. Uh, so it's a pretty, pretty big operation for the town. And you now take a 26-year-old who has to go from a cold lateral in terms of you know, an employee to now supervising 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, and even some 60-year-olds. You know, so that just off the bat, I had to realize and take a step back like, you know what? This is not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense yeah, there? Which is probably tough, too, because we, we grew up in an era of Amazon Prime and everything. People want it yesterday. So patience is one of the hardest things to learn, especially when you're an achiever and a, a person who gets things done. Yeah. And in terms of the process, like I want you to jump in at, at any point here. So yeah. when you feel that there's something that, that you want to speak on in terms of the real estate? Yeah. So the beginning of my phase yep. was also similar. Uh, I... Well, I had a background in a lot of entrepreneurial things and I did a bunch of businesses and I've talked about them a little bit here, but they were successes, but not to the extent that I wanted them to be. And I found out that I wanted to throw my my heart and soul into something I'm more passionate about. And that's what real estate gave me. And I was confident in that real estate was the way, but I wasn't confident that I was going to be able to do it yet because it is a tough market it's a lot of big deals. It's very competitive. So going into that role, I portrayed a lot of confidence, but I had no idea how much work it was going to take. Mm-hmm. So when I first got in there, you know, it's I'm I was the youngest by twenty five years, maybe right. more. So you're in there just it's trying. Scary. To, yeah, it's it's scary. And I left a role where I was doing decent, and I basically just quit up and left. No insurance, no income. So it was like, you know. Yeah. It was you had to make it work. Absolutely. So. And and a lot of people don't know this, but I was very fortunate to be under the wing of a county commissioner and county chief of operations who I'm very close to from the time I was 15 years old. Yeah. You know, it, it it's looking back on it, I didn't realize that wow, just working at a a basketball camp at the time, but the relationships that I was able to 
to to establish so early. Like I was literally getting these guys coffee when I was 16 years old. Well, that's listening to things, you know. Yeah. So I I did have a a leg up in terms of who I was surrounding myself by. Uh, But again, that didn't really turn over to like nobody else knew that. Yeah. You know, so I had received advice and I looked back on this and this is talking about the whole process piece. And it was basically like, and this was from a leader, like a, a, a big time leader. And he had said to me in the conversation was based all about like, you know, how, how you manage people and you're just going into it for the first time. And it's the, the takeaway that I, that I realize now is you can't jump into things and expect to make extreme change immediately. Mm-hmm. Right. So what I did was I basically focused on maybe one or two minor changes that I can take what was already successful within and just elaborate on it a little bit. And this was big because some leaders go into like, you know, you try to prove yourself. Whereas I did have a year under my belt, uh, under my belt with the staff that was in play, but it wasn't again on that leadership level. So they had respect for my work ethic, Mm -hmm. which was also big, but they didn't have respect for my leadership style. Right. So these are all things that, you know, when you draw out a process, you have to really sit back and you're like, look, there's going to be a whole bunch of doubters and this is going to come from every single angle. And you have to just get through it one step at a time. So that was the approach that I took was was making like, you know, just a a small change here and there versus coming in and changing big policies. And you made a good point about proving yourself, but then also with a mentor. I also feel like you're people you're aspiring to be if you're not working your butt off and proving yourself that you are willing to do kind of whatever they're less likely to share with you what you need to know whereas if you're going out and taking the bull by the horns people approach you more yeah i mean they're more likely to say hey i saw you doing this try this next time yep where when i started i kind of had a little bit of a uh i had great mentors also and i there was a mrs cloroni took me under her wing and I worked closely with her because I knew her kids and then the other uh, agents there at the firm. But I kind of had this uh, like, wow, like they should be sending me business. They should. I'm willing to help. Why aren't they letting me help? But you have to understand all of these people in both professions took 10, 20 years to build their reputation. They're not going to vouch for you, especially if they're successful yep. without some type of proof. That's a very so good, that was a hard realization, point. and that's why I think it took me a while to get going because mm-hmm. I was just kind of like waiting for stuff. Yep. And then once I started turning it on, then I got more referrals from them, and now it's been you know. But that was a tough realization. Yep. And that's just the product of, you know, in the past have been successful at stuff, and people have been helpful, and you you, you have to reset every time yeah. you go in a new environment. And when that one opportunity does come your way, you have to prove yourself. Yeah. You know, but the, so the timeline that I gave myself was like that one year, and this is still on the whole process piece, but I remember sitting at my desk and like creating like this thing, like, all right, my, my initial, um, timeline is going to be like one year where I'm going to sit back almost in a way. And I'm going to literally become a sponge. And again, a lot of people say it, but I had to do this. I had to get involved with so many things that I knew nothing about. Again, we've said it before. I'm not a handy guy at all. But I had to learn facility operations. I had to learn park systems. I had to learn aquatics, arts, dance, and cultural programs, payroll, office procedures, staffing, uh, timelines, anything that you can think of. I had to now learn the job. So what I did was I basically hopped in on every single person who's full-time 
and we have a transportation unit as well. Hopped in with these guys and I started having conversations and taking the knowledge that they have, but making it authentic and stirring up a conversation versus like, hey, I'm the new leader in town. And you know what? It's your responsibility to share this information with me. Mm. So I remember having a moment like, you know what? I already really like these people and I think that they really respect me as well. But now it's my obligation to learn what they do, learn the ins and outs. And I think that's applicable to anything and any career that you apply it to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, But when I sat back and now I, I was looking back at it, I was able to actually find like my notes and I was able to and I'll do it in a little bit when I get to this next um, when I get to another piece of it but there was a specific example I'll give you in terms of maintenance that kind of like solidified me for you know where I was basically headed Mm -hmm. Um, in your I I guess for from your experience how do you how do you relate to the timeline so I timeline being a sponge all that yeah I did specific timeline also so Coming from doing a bunch of businesses, I always was worried about the money and I was always motivated by it, not in a sense of like greed, but in a sense of I knew that money creates flexibility, flexibility creates more opportunity and money is able to capitalize on the opportunity, just at a real basic level. So when I got into real estate, I was like, listen, I'm going to give this more of a fair shot because I need to be patient because I'm going into a market that it's going to take a lot of time to build. But if you build it correctly and you stick around long enough, you can really make something that sustains itself. And you, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, potential in the future, but you just have to be patient. So going into it, I looked at it like another college education. I gave myself four years, and I said the first year is like a freshman. I'm going to try a bunch of stuff out. Sophomore year, I'm going to refine it and try to figure out and try to close some deals. Third year, I'm going to, you know, people are going to try to take me under the wing like an internship. Yep. And I'm going to work with people and close some deals and see if this thing's actually going to, you know, make any money. And then fourth year was like, I'm going to try to transfer a lot of that knowledge into my own business and establish my own application piece of it. So it was, it was similar. And it was in those four years, I gave myself a lot of flexibility, but at the same time, I started dating Dana, which also was another element of, Yes, we are getting married. We have all this stuff going on, but you still have to be patient, yep. which was tough because, you know, in the first couple of years, you're not making much, but you're working seven days a week. It's tough to yeah, no, pitch no. that. And, and that, that word patience is a good, it, it's a great example of, I think you, you can apply that to anything but in pa- life. And we're have, very, yeah. well, usually we're not very patient people. But you have great work, work ethic. I think myself as well, not saying that Definitely. we're perfect, but... No. I think you could be patient, but if you don't work hard exactly. enough, it's not nothing's going to happen. One hundred. The harder you work, the quicker it happens. Yep. Even if it's you know maybe instead of twenty years, it happens in five, but still five years. And it's interesting to me that we didn't even talk about this prior, you know. But you just jumped into like my next piece of like knowing exactly where you want to be through that through that timeline. And this is now different than, and I want to be clear on this. This is much different than just visualizing success. Yeah. You can't just and a lot of famous people say it. I've, I saw myself doing this. I knew it. I would repeat this in my head over and over and over again. You make a great point that if you're not applying yourself and doing the work, you can visualize yourself to do anything that you want. Yeah. If you're not putting the work in, it's not going to happen. So knowing where you want to be in one year and being specific through that smart technique, you can use that, right? But being very specific about it and then measuring the, the actions along the way is how you get to where you want to go. But I during that first year... Like I said before, I took what already existed because I I needed to prove myself. So I'm like, okay, 
let me be strategic about this. Do I think it's better to create like all these new initiatives and these new processes and all this stuff? Or should I take what has already been done for like the past? We, we, our department has been up and running for 50 years. Should I take what's basically already existed for these 50 years? So they already, they know what's been going on. And do I add my piece to that and execute that? And that's exactly what I did. So I took pro, I remember sitting back and taking the programs that we had at that time. And I literally wrote down on a spreadsheet, all of the program participation that was in there. Cause now at this time we had also, we switched over to like web-based software. So you can see everything. Whereas prior to that, everything was like archaic, Mm. you know, all paper-based stuff. So I took the same programs that existed, but like I started implementing like recruiting techniques. And I said, you know what? This program had 10 people in it. If I can prove that now I can get 14 people in it, that's, that's a fact. And how did you prioritize that? So my, my real responsibility as the assistant commissioner is to oversee all of the programs that go on. And right now we have 166. So I prioritized it by the ones that were struggling the most. Because mm-hmm. I said, okay, if I can prove, and again, this is for myself, yeah. but if I can prove this to myself, that is just a fact that people are going to have to see. You're going to know that if you've been instructed in this class for the past 10 months or 15 years and you know the standard, and I basically create a new standard off of the demand, that was my niche. So you took the lowest hanging fruit, for lack of a better yep. term, and then you also figured out what's the highest uh, result that I'm going to get from doing this. And by taking the worst program and making it profitable or however you measure it, right. then you're able to but, prove so yourself that's, that's faster. So that's the bigger, Smart. that's the big, that's the big um, I guess, scheme of things. But what you have to do along that process, that's not, you can't do that dolo. Oh, no. You know what I mean? Not. You have to have these relationships and with people. Can you break down what dolo is, please? Uh, by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't do this by yourself. Listen, you know, this we has have some people listening. Now. Yeah, hey, I don't know look. if they know what solo dolo means. <laughs> solo so. dolo, I got you. Um, but you have to basically, it was, it was a priority of mine to take what already existed with the people who have already existed mm-hmm. and be efficient and effective. Not the consistency part yet. Convenient, but efficient. I, I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> look, there you go. You throw me off because you're like inconsistent. And Thank you. Throw, you. Yeah, switch up this yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you, you have to be efficient and effective. Like be able to drive results off of what already exists. That yeah. was my mindset going in. So to echo what you're saying, in my field, I did something similar and I realized that all of these agents have too much business. And if I can put myself in positions where they want to use me to run with their small deals to get some momentum going, then I'll make myself available. And originally, although Greenwich was the goal, I opened myself up for all markets. And I was driving up to Bridgeport, you know, an hour into Westchester County. And my thought was if I can show them that I'm willing to drive an hour, then when they have something local and they're just too busy, they'll help me out. Uh, and put me on the deal. So it was very similar. I was like, rather than try to establish all my own business right away, you know, let that organically happen. Yep. And then let me learn by attaching myself to other people's deals, asking a lot of questions, you know, just, just being around while people are negotiating and listening tactically at how they're doing things. Because all of these agents are successful and they're too busy most of the time to sit down and say, this is why I said that. You have to listen and see the patterns that pop up, you know, because we have agents. Some of them let the, the deals breathe a little more. Some of the agents are more on top of it. 
And by seeing all the different styles, you figure out your own style. But it's a lot of it's just showing up. I talk about that all the time. Mm-hmm. Just being around it, you just naturally yeah, absorb you, a lot. But you're like a sponge. But you have to you have to be you willing have to be, to be the sponge. Yeah. You, you know, all this information it's an attitude can be too. Oh yeah. You gotta be like, okay, I'm humble. I don't know much. I've gotta build my knowledge. I, I can be confident, but I have no base to be confident yet. I need to learn from all these people. And you need to keep that forever. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning it's tough because you wanna show them that you're worth putting time into it's like a chicken or yeah yep. you know see so i i really jumped into it and i mean th- there's people that will tell you they didn't respect my my leadership you know i i would still have to and, and you still have to do the job yeah. so there would be times that i would have people in my office and i was month one yeah. but because of the job title and the responsibility of the job function i would have to you know give uh whether if it was a consequence a write-up a verbal warning or, or something like that i would explain like, look, this is this is my first time going through this. But unfortunately, I have to separate, you know, my relationship at that time and I have to stick to what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And then through and people had a lot of respect for that, you know, and, and I never tried to be disrespectful, but I don't think everybody agrees. And still to this day, they don't have to agree with everything that I do in life. You know, we have staff members that are going to disagree with, you know, the decisions that are made. At the end of the day, I'm in this position. So I have to make a decision based off of that. But also I try to always be fair in my approach and take feedback and take, um, I guess, what's ever being, you know, thrown at me through a different lens. And that's important, too. You know, go ahead. But also being able to explain why why you're doing what you're doing helps you be confident in your message. Yes. Yes. Um, And now, you know, I know we keep saying it, but let's talk about some of the. this was this was huge for me, but I had to identify while you're trying to build confidence in anything in life, you better know what takes away from that confidence. Yeah. So it's identifying the triggers that are pulling you in the opposite direction. Yeah. And I remember writing down the things that were detrimental to me at that time in the workplace, you know, and it was the staff members and I had to do it by name. Certain staff members just were very verbal about like, ah, this new guy, I'm really not not having it. Kind I'm not mutiny situation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not doing it. And again, all of our workers are like union workers. So they already know that, that, you know what, you, you can be a manager at any level, but are you really going to be firing somebody? Like there's certain people that have that mentality. So I had to navigate through those triggers. There's also like my salary is paid through like taxpayers, right? That's just, that's a fact of local government. And our taxpayers, there were certain people that were very vocal and they were like, look, I don't know how you can put somebody in this position at such a young age. I just, I just don't know. How are you allowing somebody to have a voice in an over $4 million budget at the time? You know, like there were those things that I had to literally identify and say, okay, these are the triggers that bring me down. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it's like in real estate with that, but did, was there a time that you had to say like, you know what, this is, this is going to be part of the process and the game. So I learned quickly that you can't learn everything in a day, right? And when you're out there, the only way to get experience and build confidence is to go out and show properties. I could look at a whole condo complex for four hours and they're going to hit you with a question you don't know. So being okay with not being completely knowledgeable about something, but being confident that you can get the right answer for them and do it quickly was the, the realization I made pretty quick because you're, in a situation where you're either negotiating or there's older agents or more senior agents or experienced agents that are hitting you with facts to kind of test you out. And if you're able to answer quickly and knowledgeably, it builds that like, 
you know, mm-hmm. oh, he's young, but he he knows what he's talking about. Yep. So it and it takes time, right? You, oh yeah. It's a um, territorial thing in real estate. So people say, who's this young kid that's trying to move in on my turf type of thing? Yeah. So, but I mean, the majority of agents have been great to me. There's a couple that were condescending early mm-hmm. on, but it's you to, to write it down. The the things that I keep in my desk, even to this day, is knowledge equals power. Yep. Because I think if you're negotiating, researching, doing your job, the more you know, the more prepared you are to make it successful. Um, and then like your net worth is your net your network is your net worth. Yep. Stuff just random reminders, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's the time being patient and knowing that those uh, roadblocks are out there, but also dealing with them day to day. is yeah. the Well, just acknowledging, you know, the, the identifying and acknowledging those triggers for me, all it was, was literally that I would say to myself, okay, this is a person that already doubts your ability. This is a person that is against you. Yeah. Once you know that you're like, yeah, I'll listen to you and I'll hear you, but it's almost like, all right, now I gotta get, <laughs> I gotta go find something that build my confidence versus taking it away. Yeah. So the counter to that was then like, when you're in this position now, how are you going to focus on the things that you're good at to allow those same things to speak for themselves, to build the momentum? Yeah. Go ahead. I'll, and what, I'll get did you have a lot of stuff going on at the same time? Because I find mean, that a lot, of, a lot of... Like outside stuff? So the, No, no, no. So in... in business when I started the hardest part was that I only had a couple clients starting out mm-hmm. and if something went south that was it I had one person that I did not make a successful transaction for whatever reason maybe none of my you know uh, uh, to no fault of my own maybe they moved or changed business whatever but you had nothing to look at that was positive that was comparable now I'm so busy that a deal can fall through in the same scenario but I have eight other things that are moving forward so you're able to stay even keel a little better. Okay. Obviously, it scales up. And yeah. Instead of one falling right. through, you have three at the same right. time. But I feel like the yin and yang, if yep. you have a lot of activity mm-hmm. and a lot of balls in the air, like whatever um, uh, initiatives you're doing, if one falls but you have three going through, you're... So my job is unique because there's so many different moving parts to it. It's not just the program piece. You have the staff piece. You have oh, the yeah. payroll piece. You got the business side of things. You have the political side of things with the politicians. Yeah. So there were there are so many things. But to the same point of identifying the negatives and the triggers, I had to identify what I was really good at. Yeah. And this has kind of been told to me all my life. And it I've always been a good communicator in the workplace. Very different from communicating in a relationship. I think you're pretty good communicator. Well, now, us, right, now, TV? but there's, there's certain individuals that, you know, would say in the past, like this dude couldn't communicate for anything, but in terms of like writing, my writing skills have always been pretty, pretty good. Right. So I utilized emails and things to communicate. Very impressed by your email game. <laughs> yeah. You had said that. Thank you very much. And I, I appreciate that. But I, cause I do put time into it, Yes, you know, and I try to be clear and concise with my communication and go ahead. No, I was going to say we're the yin yang there because I'm trying to be clear and concise, but a lot of my discussions happen over the phone. Yes. So my email skill mm-hmm. is it's all right. I get the job done, but it's not yeah. very thoughtful. And so I and I established this communication thing pretty early because now that I am already in this role, like people know, OK, these are the things that you kind of have to do. But keeping everybody in the loop was something that I was very drawn to. So if there was something that needed to get to the, you know, get to town hall that needed to get to the county level that needed to get to like the program staff level. I would put everybody on these emails and communicate in a way that like, you're going to read this email 
and I would break down every single email and make sure that I, you know, proofread it five different times. I, you know, would, would delete certain things and rewrite it. Like I was very strategic on how I communicated. And then I would follow up with my communication skills. So that doing that over and over and over again, it sort of set an expectation, like 30 days straight of, you know, somebody emailing you in regards to different things basically proves like, wow, this person is going out and doing the thing. You're not just going to send nonsense emails. Right. So I was being strategic with, with my communication style. Yeah. And it, this is a tactical question, but do you save like templates for these emails? Never. Okay. Never. See, I do because I, it's I, uh it's the same. It's a lot of the same discussions. Yeah. Just different inserts. So I take time with each one of them, but it, the, I try to figure out which one was successful and then use that template to use for the next person. Yep. And then I, you could base it off of that. Well, you, you could do that. Yes. It's you different. know, I, 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 I wouldn't be able to do if, that. Yeah, but so I had said earlier, you know, in, in this discussion that I would bring, I would give you an example of like maintenance. And this was, this was how I remember this establishing um, myself for, for the maintenance team that was in place at that time. And, and it, it's, it's a little different now with who's in place. Um, but basically we had, we had an issue and it was a maintenance facility issue and there were things going on that I didn't know anything about. Like, why doesn't this work to make this work better? Why does it was, it was nonsense to me. I didn't know. But so what I did was I was able to go out and research this certain product. And then I brought to the experts who happened to be an engineer at the time, a carpenter and one of the maintenance foremen. And I brought them all this information. I'm like, look, I, I know this is the product that we need. And I found three different prices for the same product. Right. And now I need you guys to bring your expertise into the mix. And ultimately, let's talk about which one to choose. They were very impressed that I took the time to go out and research the actual product and how the whole application piece worked to this product. And it, it was just interesting for me to see because like, that doesn't, I wasn't doing it to benefit them. I was doing it to benefit myself, but yeah. it happened to bring value to them too because they were like, wow, now I don't have to go out and price this thing out, which in local government, everything has to be priced out. Yeah. You know, and you, and you can't just go buy things just to buy them. You have to be able to, to prove to an auditor or a taxpayer that wants to know why you spent their money in a certain way, why it was that way. Yeah. So I was able to figure out things like that that I am not equipped for. And that was just me jumping in and finding the knowledge to like do these certain things. I think you can get away with building your confidence if you're confident in your ability to learn. Yes. Like if you're confident yes. in saying I can figure it out, which I've always kind of had, mm -hmm. just I don't know why. Maybe great parenting. Yeah. Parent. <laughs> um, but always was like, oh, there's a motorbike. Like I could build a motorbike. Yep. I actually did that one year. A motorbike? And it took me forever. Wow. But uh, and my buddy crashed it, Stu. He flipped Stewie. it in uh, Yukon. Wow. But I built it. I was out in the garage for hours. But that was like in the beginning of YouTube. Mikey Mechanic. Well, not maybe beginning. But anyway, so the like ability that. to say, which can get you in trouble sometimes. Mm -hmm. Because like we got in an argument. I guaranteed Dana that I was going to build a uh, dining table. Yes. And we got in this heated argument. I don't yep. know if you remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I could build a dining table. And you probably can. But do you have enough time to learn it? Right. That's the question. It's not worth it. Yeah. And then the other thing that I had that I identified, because we said that it, we were talking about the skills that like I knew that I was good at. People have always told me you're a leader. You know, like you're a leader. Just just yeah. just in general, mm -hmm. you're a leader, whether if it was on the basketball court, um, you know, or, or just in business as a as a young guy, like I always took initiative by leading mm -hmm. and not just leading by telling people to do things, doing things by myself, yeah, you by know, example. yeah, leading it by example versus just telling people, 
hey, can you go do this? Yeah. And you can do that and you can manage people that way if you want. But being young, that's, ne- that's never going to work. Yeah. You're never going to be able to tell somebody who's been in an industry for 20 plus years, 30 years, how to do something by just, you know, hey, can you go do this? They're not going to have respect for it. Um, so, so are you going out with the mechanics fixing stuff? <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Um, no, so I allowed my my own hat, like, I don't want to say habits, but my, the only- You could say habits. Yeah, well, I'm going to say uh, habits are going to be- Check the out next, FP3. The next piece of it. But allowing things in my everyday life to translate to work. So people make fun of me, but they really respect how I eat at work. I bring a big lunchbox and I have like all my meals planned out. We'll sit in a meeting and they're like, oh, Dave's eating ground turkey again. Dave's eating tuna fish again. You know, I would show up to, to meetings early and I would get involved in the little things, little minor details that, you know what, you can tell somebody to go do it. But at the end of the night, do I really need, you know, a maintenance guy to come in and take my garbage out? Or can I just wrap up the bag and put a new one in and then throw it out on my way out? Still yeah. do that to this day. Do some reps. If they, <laughs> yeah, right. Close the door, get some pushies in. But it's, it's leading and being available to do things and realizing that you're no better. And that was very debatable for me because I was like, wow, there's a piece of me that, you know what? I am the assistant commissioner. Everybody is below me. I can manage them. I can tell them to do X, Y, and Z. And there were times that like when I would get into it with, you know, staff members that that crosses your mind. Oh yeah. You know, and you have to really sit back, especially when you're in a leadership role, you have to sit back and, realize the bigger picture and is that what you want to do not for that person but is that how you want to be for yourself you know and I think through business I was able to establish so much personal growth and then the personal habits basically translated through work Mm -hmm. so it was like that work-life synergy that we had spoke about in that in that episode um that takes time though because oh yeah 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 and you need to be consistent you know because I think uh, for me I went through a phase of extreme stress because I was learning it all, building my book of business, learning how to date, getting married, buying a house. We, you have all these things. So then when you get home, your stress level is incredible. But then you start to embrace all the chaos mm-hmm. and you embrace the, the process and get excited about learning every day. When deals fall apart, you've seen it in some form. Maybe yep. not that scenario, but you've seen it. So yep. it's just another day at the office. And it's not like you don't care as much. You just know how to internalize stuff. Someone, I don't know who said this, but said like your uh, worth is your ability to solve problems. The bigger mm-hmm. the problem, the bigger your worth. Yep. So then every big situation that gets thrown at me, I'm like, this is crap. This is tough. Yep. I'm like, well, if I can solve this, maybe I'm a little more, you know, and it's fun. It's like a puzzle. So, but that shift, I don't know. Uh, I don't know when it happened. I think it happens when you kind of establish yourself and then you do a self-audit. Yeah. And then you're ready to try to take it to the next level. But it's like constantly you're building this confidence, but you're also realizing that you have so much more to build on and staying hungry, but also looking back and saying, well, you know, I've done all these deals. This deal's big, but it's a combination of all these little ones. I just have to refocus and, you know, add more knowledge and you keep adding on. Yep. I'm sure you see that constantly. Yeah. And, and you're reminding me now, like I remember at that time I read the book, uh, it's a Stephen Covey book and it's seven habits of highly effective people. Yep. yep. It's a tough read though. It's a very long book. To, audio I know books, you got, dude, audio books. Well, I, I, I think I have to get into that now because these I, 10 pages are taking me a long time. It's bad <laughs> because I hate, yeah, I like I got, um, what did I just get? The, the dog training book mm-hmm. I posted about. Oh, uh, yes. Yep. Don't shoot the dog, which yep. the librarian was like, here's your book, because she thought I was going to murder the dog. I was like, it's about people and right. a bunch of stuff. 
But it's been sitting in the back of my car, and I keep looking, and I'm like, if this was an audio book. You could just turn it I don't it know if it's on an audio book, but yep. what I tried to do was do um, – Audi- not audible uh kindle mm-hmm. and then copy it and if you swipe your fingers up they read it to you yep it's not good enough yet because it's so robotic but hopefully at some point they'll just have like you could just swipe up on a book and someone will read it to you so jumping back to that Covey book the Sorry. no 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 you're good you're good what were we and, talking and, about no no no, no 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 <laughs> no so the seven habits of highly effective people but i remember reading this book and the one t- takeaway for me and i think this should be something that is in every industry now it's understanding a win-win scenario Mm -hmm. because if you change your perspective and you focus on how can I win personally but how can that same situation bring value to others your whole life perspective will change so literally everything I do in life even when I'm talking like with you guys I might feel strongly on an opinion but I will try to throw something in that proves that there's value for you too and I was very selfish and I know you said this before too we both have very selfish in the past on every scenario because if you look back at really almost anything it's really off of a selfishness you know you want to do certain things because it's going to affect you if you are in a leadership role and you're trying to build confidence or if you're trying to get to the that next promotion or if you're trying to lose weight, gain muscle, if you're trying to get better in your relationship, take that mindset of thinking win-win and how that translated for me was instead of that win-win because I don't like taking people's words and like using it the same, I now focus on growth and contribution, right? Mm, so it, yeah. it, it's it's like a, um, it's just a personal goal of everything that I that I do. And again, you're never going to, do this all the time but the more scenarios I can put myself into where I'm personally growing and I'm also contributing to somebody else and most of the time when you contribute to somebody else you're automatically growing yeah right yeah but a lot to repeat the the lens in which you look at things helps you build that confidence Mm -hmm. it helps you to solve the problem if you see a problem and you say well everyone thinks it's this but in reality for example Adam Boyage you're getting another shout out so and we're going to try to get him on Mm -hmm. but we did a, a t-shirt business in college and we sold, I'm going to say a thousand blue shirts, right? And it was for UConn basketball. They were going for their repeat. We did repeat shirts. And the day before we were going to like send them all out to everyone when they were going to get shipped, the guy is like, they're shipped. They're gray. And we're like, gray. Oh, what do you mean? We sold a blue thousand shirts. blue shirts. And the reason they were gray is because we did something on the inside to distract the free throw. Yeah. Uh, person oh, which cool. was it was on uh top 10 for top 10 free throw distractions wow that's awesome. when we get them on we'll go on all yeah, that. yeah that's cool but long story short adam calm cool and collected and i was super impressed by this he i don't know if he had conversations his dad was a beast too but he was like you know how can we pitch this how can we market this so what happened was we got he got he negotiated a discount on the shirts because they screwed up which is true he kept saying and i remember this day he said we bought basketballs and you're sending us footballs, which was doesn't like, add up. Yeah, it's a great way to say yeah, it. Yeah. So he was pushing on that. Say it was like fifteen hundred dollar discount. I don't know what the numbers were. Then on the backside, he was like, "All right, we're going to tell everyone," which is true. It's a higher level T-shirt, which it was. It was a nicer shirt. So the pitch was, guys, the shirts are coming in. We decide to upgrade them to gray, which technically it wasn't upgrade. We were just mm-hmm. getting them at a discount. And if anyone has a problem, wants their blue, hit us up. We'll reimburse you. But we thought, you know, this would be a good change. We had one person wow. be pissed off. But if we said, hey, guys, this company screwed up. Yep. 
uh, were, you know, blah, blah, blah. We would have like hundreds of people pissed off. So anyone who has a uh, repeat T-shirt, that was the story behind it, and we appreciate your positivity. That's, that's a great story, though. Yeah. That's perfect. That's, and it's a perfect example of, like, you changing the perspective, and you're not lying about it. No, it's just your, you know, it's but you're way looking you're at it through it. a different lens, and you're presenting it that way. And another advice someone gave me recently was your kids react how you react because I keep asking about stuff, mm-hmm. and I think that goes well with clients, too, or people you're uh, oh, yeah. managing. If something hits the fan and you just chill about it, people in response are more calm. And they feed off of that. Yeah. Right. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, so this final piece, I guess, will focus on like the the good habits. And you, if you haven't listened to habits episode, go back, check it out. Epi three, right? Yeah. Yeah. Epi three. So when I was early on at, at this stage of my life, just transitioning to you know that leadership role, I call I, I call it in my in my head. I, I don't really say it out loud, but it's it's are you wedding ready? So. It, it's basically, are you ready to marry the person of your dreams? And that starts with obviously how you look. And you talked are about you like, wedding ready. Yeah. But like, are you wedding ready? Like if someone was like, all right, we're, you're getting married in a day. Right. You were you out drinking till four o'clock in the morning last night? Or did you go to bed at nine 30 last night? Like, so you can translate that to everything. Well, sometimes. Yeah. Well, if you're talking about the hangover, that's a little bit different. Yeah. But like in my mind, my everyday business showing up, I had to be wedding ready. And you should really focus on, if you're trying to build confidence, you should try to show up wedding ready for at least 30 days straight, right? So show up in your, in the, in, in the your best, ones. right? Show up in the ones, um, do the, the small things that we always talk about, you know, ha- have a good breakfast. If you're, if you're applying yourself to, to the job, if you're talking about a weight loss journey, if you're trying to get going and just go out and run a mile, whatever it is, you need to establish these small good habits, and these are the small wins that, again, we always talk about. I don't want to go too deep into it, but you have to realize that doing those little things by just getting up and making your bed in the morning, but doing that for 30 days straight, you trick yourself into this little, and it's weird, but it, it just happens naturally. You begin to, to trick yourself to, it's like, wow, I just, I just accomplished task one for the day. Translate that into your business by you know um, keeping your office clean we spoke about there was these little little things that I would hone in on but it had to be done every single day before I left or before I got into work so I love the wedding ready I'm going to do my own spin say are you first date ready because first date oh there you go for me it's first impression any any point in the day I could get a new client and I'm always think I, don't, I love the wedding right that's I have your, like when you listen to a song, it just keeps repeating. I have yep. come on in my head. Uh, now it's going to be wedding ready. But yeah, first date ready is like if you're trying to make a first impression. First impression, yeah. yeah. That's that's a good point. But That really is. And I don't it, know if Dana's going to like that change. Oh, you're yeah. wedding ready. And I was like, are you first date ready? Yeah, no, but it, it, it's it's always a good perspective. And again, we could go into this forever, but like really go back and listen to that episode if you haven't, uh, because that translates into you building your confidence and you have to start somewhere. And I think you have something that you wanted to throw at us. Which one? In terms of your, there was three words that you wanted to touch on. So uh, Dave is the king of the combinations of words, which uh, effective, efficient, and convenient. Thank you. Bang. Bang, bang. 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 Sorry, Steve. (laughs) I just get pissed. Who is Um, that? Who so, is that for those ESPN gurus out there? Uh, that is Gus Johnson. No. From the parking lot. Oh! Gus Bang, Johnson. No. Bang is, um, ah, whatever. You're not a TV guy? Yeah, not a TV guy. 
So <laughs> yeah. my my three are. Um, so I wanted to use knowledge. Okay, which we the first said one. probably a hundred times today. Yeah, so you that's nailed good. it. But no, I'll, we we both did. I'll say preparation. You're Love preparing it. and mm-hmm. learning. Um, I'm trying to say like pay for con- you pay for confidence. So P A Y no P A E. Oh, because nice we're not spin. good spellers. No Swiss, no Pa-ya. English. Paella. Uh, <laughs> preparation, action, experience. Okay. So you need to learn and prepare to put yourself in a position to take action. Okay. And when you're taking the action, going out, showing properties, whatever it is, you're gaining that experience, which builds confidence, which gives you more knowledge, which keeps the circle rolling. So your circle, I, I, I think I want to change pay to ape. Well, if you do ape, I look it's at be I look action. at myself like a gorilla. Yeah, I do so too. I can turn it into. <laughs> I'm an ape, but I'm like a kid ape. Hey. <laughs> um, action. So if you do the action preparation experience, yeah, you could do it that way. Right, you can. Yeah. All right. Run, in, run into the wall. Learn why yeah. you didn't get through the wall, and then you got experience. That's good. Uh, questies came in. All right, and we'll touch on these pretty pretty quickly. And I know you wanted names, so here you go, Brandon. Yeah. Describe a time you initially labeled as a failure, but later realized it was a stepping stone to something great. I'll let you take this one. So transitioning from our businesses in college and then going into uh, uh, the real world, as people would say, um, you feel as a failure, although it was successful and we did well, it didn't get to a certain point. So in all of that experience, you kind of get discouraged because you're like, well, I patented a pair of headphones with my buddy. We did a, a, a bus thing, a company that we actually, congratulations, by the way, a company that was in our incubator actually sold to a big time company. I forget who did, bought it, but Cruise, they were in the same little area. So then you oh, look nice. and you see that and you're like, that's awesome. Like I'm pumped for them, but like we, you know, we didn't make it in that sense. So you go into the next role and you have this doubt, which is, in a tough industry, which I got into, you have this doubt, but you pull from all those experiences. And when you're in small situations, it's like, Oh, we, you know, we ran 20 buses full of drunk kids. Like we, we know how to do that. I could do this. This is nothing. So you, although in the, in between time before you're taking that new action, it seems like it's a failure. It's more of uh, the, the stable to pull from confidence from when you have none. Mike Stable is always, like that? always a good one. I do. You see me locked there. in, right? Yeah, I, I was listening good. to your Very to your answer. Good. That is. Uh, so I, I'm not even going to answer that one because I'm really never good. fail. No, 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 no <laughs> not, not in that way. Just to save people's time. Uh, Joyce wrote in, and I'll take this one. How do you build confidence without it coming off as arrogance? This is this is a pretty good one. Um, and the initial, I guess, reaction and response that I had. I always try to keep it organic. So even though we see this now, I saw it before, and I really want to lock in. I think my answer would be better now that I thought about it. But when you know, you get what I'm saying. saying. But I want to be honest about what I felt right away, and it's repetitive, but it's action and commitment. So understanding what actions you need to take to get to where you want to go. Okay. Taking those same actions, but now being committed through the entire process. So never allowing anybody else to get in your head. Then when they see that repetitive process going on and on and on and on, I think at first it does come off as an arrogance because it's like, oh, this person thinks they're better than you or you know what, they're trying to outdo me. But if I'm trying to outdo you every single day of my life, you're going to have to respect that at some point. Yeah. 
Well, I think something you do well too is you communicate, like you said before, which explains to people why you are the way you are, which can sometimes come off as arrogance, yes. both of us. And I feel like when we meet people and we communicate to them, they understand a little more. Yeah, then they're like, oh. But you, yeah. you also have to understand. But you can't worry about that. And the way that you, and yeah. we've said it before, but like, I don't care about that anymore, Mike. I really, yeah. I just, I don't care. You know, if you take the time to get to know me and you don't like me, cool. Yeah. But I'm a genuine person. I try to, you know, bring my, my A game all the time. And sometimes it's my B and C game, but you'll eventually get my A game. Yeah, wedding ready. You know, yeah. I, I got to be wedding ready. Yeah. Um, and it's not a sense of like, oh, wow, you're trying to be perfect by any means. But like, I know what I want in my life and I'm going to continue to do the things that are going to get me closer. And I'm going to be committed to that process the yeah. whole time and I'm never going to stop. Yeah, the more clarity you have, the easier it is to just let stuff roll off the shoulders. Yeah, and well, you do that much better than I do. Um, and it was interesting that we were actually sitting at the wedding the other night and our friends <laughs> were going back and forth. I was talking with Nick and Jenna and we were just discussing like how different you and I are, but like how it needs to be that way. Like we need to have this balance because if we were both as, I, I don't know if you want to say confident, arrogant, whatever word you want to use as I am, it might be coming off like, oh wow, these there are these two guys like just spitting at people like yeah. straight you know but like, i don't think it's not you don't say anything you don't actually do and that's what people i don't think understand well they don't see you every day right? exactly we try to show the inside and even to an extent people believe that i go home after i drink my kool-aid or whatever right um or go back to sleep whatever it is but you yep. just and then you'll also have the people in your it's funny it, but, it is funny but yeah. you also have the people in your old life you know and look, look at um yeah. dr drug addicts yeah. Right. When you're addicted to drugs for 20 years, it's probably hard to find somebody from that old. Oh, excuse me. From that old circle that now respects the new life if they're still on drugs. Yeah. And some, you know what I mean? Some people just always will have this view of you. Like people I work with knew me as a kid. And every time I see them, they laugh and they go, you know, not to you look great in a suit. But I always remember that little kid that was pigeon toed. Yep. And I was like, oh, thanks. And so. that actually brings me into this next uh, topic. And, and this is from Eddie, who's been pretty active with us, man. So, so shout out. Is this uh, um, no, yeah. with an H? Eddie H? No, his uh, FX visual. Oh, you, yeah, you, yeah. I've seen him. So he had, he had dropped a little dime in terms of like how important it is to find friends with like similar mentalities and how to find like running mates. Running mates. Is he Australian? Right? That, that, I, I really like that word. Running the mates. running mates. Though. Yeah. I was like, because you're, you're my running mate. CV's my running mate. I'm, a, I'm your walking mate. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. The walking. I get it. So this is a really important thing. It's about surrounding yourself with people. And I know we use this all the time, but it's like-minded individuals. You know, if you guys, and they could be friends for 20 years of yours, if you guys no longer have those same interests and you guys really can't establish yourselves in that space, that's fine. Separate the two. Not that you have to cut that person off, but you can love this person from a distance. You can link with them when, you know, it, the time is right and you're not talking about business. But you need to be surrounding yourselves with people and individuals that have the same interests in terms of your network, right? Because we, we see it every day. Yeah, so I agree with it, but I think we're in a fortunate time in uh, eternity or whatever, in a time in, in place where you have access to so much info and so many virtual mentors that are telling you all this great in input that if you're listening six days a week to these people mm -hmm. you could still have your friends oh even of course. if they're not you know what i mean it's all balance and yep. it's all if you know you're getting the right input and you know how to take 
a lot of it's just taking everything that people say with a grain of salt, good yes. and bad. Yep. You know, if you have good friends and they have an opinion on something, that's fine, but that shouldn't change what you do. Right. Unless that dude is in a position where you want to be yeah. in 20 but, years, then you take it more heavily. Exactly. So it's, it's like, but I think the balance is good. I yeah. Think, no, like, it is. Having, for sure. Like I always say, like, love Dana. She's uh, not as uh, intense as I am, like mm -hmm. how we balance each other yeah. out. And if she was, we'd probably kill each other. Right. You know, so it's good. It's, no, I'm talking strictly building confidence. Down. You can't be hanging around with people and sitting around watching TV when you're trying to build confidence and somebody during that TV show is bashing your confidence level. Gotcha. You well, get what I'm saying? You, you, you can sit down and watch yeah. TV with that individual, of yeah. course, but you can't put yourself around people who are going to be taking away from what you're trying to get. Got it. Got it. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And right? then just putting yourself in a position where there's smarter people in the room yeah, and oh, just yeah. being able to pull from that. That's And being a sponge. Sponge is good. Don't be... You know? So I sponged some stuff. Just don't be a mildew, a mildew sponge because those... It's tough those because there, there are situations with mildew sponge. <laughs> I sometimes leave the sponge in the sink. That's another story. <laughs> so I sometimes take in too much. And in the past, it's got me in trouble where I start to believe something because I've been sponging it so much without auditing it coming in. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say you got to take everything with a grain of salt because in the past... We were situated, and I've been situated in a situ situation where I'd help a group, and I took their word as bond. And then, in looking back, I realized that maybe that wasn't the best route for me, but it helped them the most. You know, and this isn't anyone specific, but yeah, you yeah. look back and you're yep. like, "Yeah, I could." Learning process. Yeah, yeah. Like any any situation, mm -hmm. you look back and you say, "Oh, you know, if I was more knowledgeable or knew what where they were coming from and their motives." Yep. You know, not to be cynical about everything, but no. That's good stuff, man. So this will take us to Dave's Dime of the Week. Dimes, dimes, dimes. <laughs> That's my guy. Sorry, I hesitated. That's all right. When you start seeing your worth, you'll find it harder to stay around people who don't. Money. Dimes, dimes. dimes. <laughs> uh, mine is an investment. In Mike, introduce it. How many times have I messed up this segment? <laughs> That's why I waited because I got nervous. Uh this is Miguel's mantras, Miguelito's mantras. Ito, ito, ito. That means little Michael. Uh, <laughs> I Thanks. took Spanish. Thanks. Unlike our French. I know, in ESL too. We, unless, we know. Like our French friend over here. <laughs> I was so good at Spanish. They were like, put him in ESL. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. And I think that's my boy, Benny Franklin. He's a smart guy. Shout out, Benny Franklin. Benny Franklin. And I, I have to say, the next segment with the heat on the feet, I picked the perfect socks. I love it. Fun fact, I am a uh, – uh, let me show you the socks first, and I'll okay. tell you. Hit us with any idea. heat on the feet. This is tough. I've ripped two <laughs> pairs of pants. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. So I see a pine tree. I can't get it around. I see a pine tree. Believe in yourself. It's an ape. It's, it's not an ape. Oh, it's a gorilla. No. It's Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Oh, I got. I haven't seen it, but fun fact: I'm uh, a big Bigfoot fan. So if anyone's ever going out and doing a Bigfoot, like not a hunt, but search, I'm down. Wait, is this a real human? What do you mean, Bigfoot? I believe in Bigfoot. My really? public speaking class. I, I can't get. <laughs> Mike is uh, for those that are not on YouTube. He's trying to adjust himself. Oh, there you go. Believe in yourself, and it's it's Bigfoot. Wow, this is good, Claudio. Wow, wow, wow. 
This is a good um, contraption he's got going on here. Jump back to the microphone. Fun fact. In college, if you're in my public speaking class, I'd love for people to uh, <laughs> tell me if this actually happened, which it did. My speech was uh, persuasion. So it was proving to everyone that Bigfoot is real. Mm -hmm. And I did this whole presentation. And then my closing line, I dropped the mic and literally walked out, was does Bigfoot exist if the shoe fits? And then I walked out. Oh, mic drop. Money. Wow. So that, that'll end us, baby. That was Epi 11, Building Confidence, another one in the books. Yes. Until next time, stop snoozing. Get up and get after it. Mike Pirelli, that's my guy. That's another Epi in the books. Go follow us on Instagram and Facebook at No Snooze Podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, No Snooze. Come on. Come on. If you want to inquire about potential sponsorship and or collaboration, reach out to us at nosnoozepodcast at gmail.com or message our Instagram page, which is at no snooze podcast.